Heavenly Father, on this night, we are reminded of how deeply you love us, that you would send your only begotten Son to be born in human likeness, to be born to bring salvation for all. We pray, Lord, that you would now minister to us again through your word. Lord, let that word be living and active, transforming us from the inside out. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place, fill each one of us to overflowing. Lord, speak through me now that my words would be your words and your truth would be spoken, heard, and received deep in our hearts here this evening. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So it's an interesting uh, situation here. Um, First time I've ever done this where I am uh, talking to people here and I'm talking to people there. And uh, it's a a odd time um, to be a priest uh, and a pastor. It's an odd time to be everything, working in a grocery store, working in a hospital, working as a police officer, working uh, as a garbage collector, whatever. It's an odd time. It's a time when we really need to know the love of God, I would say. And I think love, I mean, there is a topic for you, right? Is there a more common and yet elusive subject uh, for the poet than love? You know, Shakespeare, he, he wore out his quill trying to uh, compose verses about love. You know, if music be the food of love, play on, he writes in Twelfth Night. My bounty is as boundless as the sea. My love is deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have for both are infinite. Romeo and Juliet. Love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error and upon me proved, I never writ, nor no man ever loved. The 116th sonnet. And then there's, um, I mean, there's countless poems, but probably the most famous poem about love perhaps is the one written by Elizabeth Barrett Brown, the 43rd sonnet. And as one reads her poetry, you you, you can almost feel and hear the the fibers of her creativity being stretched to the breaking point as she tries to capture even just an iota of the essence of love as she writes, How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. I love thee with the passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with a love I seemed to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life, and if God choose, I shall but love thee better after death. Yes, much ink 
has been spilled by the poets trying to express the full measure of love. But when one counts all the verses of all the poets, one can't help but echo the immortal demands of that great truth-teller, the fair lady herself, Eliza Doolittle. Upon hearing the love-struck Freddie Ainsford Hill uh, uh, serenading her with these poetic lyrics, speak and the world is full of singing and I'm winging higher than the birds touch and my heart begins to crumble, the heavens tumble, darling, and, I'm, and he's about to carry on and she just interrupts him immediately without one more line of dripping poetry being allowed to be sung. She comes out with words, words, words. I'm so sick of words. I get words all day through, first from him, now from you. Is that all you blighters can do? Don't talk of stars burning above. If you're in love, show me. Tell me no dreams filled with desire. If you're on fire, show me. You know, we love all, all of us, I think. Most of us, I love a bit of poetry. But let's face it, Eliza Doolittle is refreshing in her candor, and it, she expresses what we all feel deep down. What we really want, what we really need, aren't just words about love in theory. We need genuine evidence of love in action. We want love expressed, not in words, but in deeds, not just talk of love. Show me. And those of us who, who identify as Christian, we should understand this because that's what our faith is all about. Our faith, in its most pure form, it's faith not in words, but in what St. John calls the Word, capital W. And the Word is not an abstract word, but is to quote the introduction to John's gospel, the word made flesh. Christian faith is a trust not in poetic uh, words of loving intentions, but in a person who has flesh and bones and has blood pumping through his veins and comes and shows his love. Our faith is not in love poetic but in love incarnate. Pastor and author Paul David Tripp puts it very simply, love needs an incarnation. And that's precisely what we have in Jesus. That's what it is to follow the Christ, Jesus himself. St. Paul gets a, you know, a bad rep a lot of times for being uh, pretty verbose, uh, maybe overly verbose in his letters. You know, he's got these sentences that kind of run on forever. But he also has throughout his letters these wonderful little encapsulations of the gospel where he just kind of gets it all in one quick statement. Things like Romans chapter 5, verse 6, where he writes, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then just a couple verses later, he does it again in Romans 5, 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or 2 Corinthians 8, 9. This perhaps is my favorite Pauline verse. 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And then there are those verses we have in our lesson from Titus, uh, that letter to uh, Paul's protege, uh, one of his proteges anyway. Chapter 2, verse 11, he writes, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And so what do all these verses have in common? These little encapsulations of the gospel. They express how the love of God isn't words, words, words. The love of God is in Christ Jesus, who doesn't just stay up in his heavenly realm, you know, speaking from afar platitudes of love, but has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. It is a love he has shown us. And that's what we're celebrating at Christmas. But how so? How is the birth of Jesus in particular, perhaps, actually one of the most beautiful um, expressions of how God is showing us his love. Well, I think it's seen in three things mainly. Well, he shows us this. He sell, shows us what he'll lay down for love, where he'll go for love, and how he'll transform for love. Where, what he'll lay down for love, where he'll go for love, and how he'll transform for love. And I'm, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use our, our, our Titus lesson as the sort of jumping off point for these points. It's, um, it's chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. If you want to look on in the Pew Bibles, I'd invite you to do that. It's on page 998. 998 in our Pew Bibles. Or if you're at home and you have your own Bible, please open it to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. So you want to know how much God loves you. Words, 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 nonsense. None of that I want you to show me. Just look to the stable in Bethlehem and see what he'll lay down for love. So we have this romantic vision of the stable. You know, this precious babe in the stable with the little sheep and the cows and his doting parents around him. Um, this precious babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. But let us not forget that this is as Paul describes him in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, the glory and greatness of God. That's who this baby is. The glory and greatness of God. But that majestic, that divine glory and greatness is now completely fragile and vulnerable. The bright and morning star is now cold and exposed and needs swaddling. God shows his love by laying down his crown. For you, or as Paul puts it in verse 14, he gave himself for us. And it's not just words. You can't undo a birth, can you? It's love incarnate. God shows his love by what he'll lay down. 
You want to know how much God loves you? Well, just look to the stable in Bethlehem and see where he'll go for love. You know, you read the, the, the chapters leading up to and, and, and then the, the chapters of the nativity, and you might get the impression that there was a great welcoming party for Jesus. You know, you, you read of Mary, and she's just she's this beautiful, abundant obedience. And you read of Joseph, and he just needs one dream, and he's... He's ready to do whatever it takes. And you read of, of uh, shepherds, and they, they do exactly what the angel tells them to do. And they go, and when they meet him, they, they worship him. And then they go and tell people about him. I mean, it sounds like it's just this great picture of, of everybody ready for Jesus. We're so glad you've come. But, of course, we know that that's not the, the fullness of the story, is it? Let's not forget the true state of mankind and how deep the depths of the fall really are. As Paul describes it in verse 14, mankind is in a, is in a deep state of lawlessness. God shows his love by where he'll go, going from the heights of heaven all the way to the depths of earth's lawlessness. And just remember that it wouldn't be much longer in the story that you, you meet humanity's true colors and in the person of King Herod, that's more like it. Believe it or not, God's love is incarnate enough to even come for the likes of a murderous king like Herod. Don't you know his love is incarnate enough to even come for the likes of you and me? The Lord looked down from heaven and saw our tragic state. And he knew how far the distance was from his glory to our depravity. So far removed from him, and his instinct was to go that full distance to where we are, no matter how far that is, even so far as to become one of us. It's not just words, it's love incarnate. God shows his love by where he'll go. You want to know how much God loves you? Well, just look to the stable in Bethlehem and see how he'll transform for love. You know, we read the Christmas story of the incarnation, which shows, obviously, God's condescension as the Son of God is born the Son of Mary. You know, and, and we could easily think of this as sort of, this is a one-way street of God to man, God becoming man. Uh, but let's not forget, uh, it's not a story of simply God coming to man, full stop, but there's more to it, right? God is coming to man in order that he might bring man to himself. And when I say that, I mean like bring man to himself, like to man's trueness, and bring man to God. It's a story of transformation. It's a story of the transforming power of the incarnate love. 
So let's read of it again in these verses from Titus chapter 2, because I don't think you can encapsulate it better than this, 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 this little passage we had for tonight. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. The temptation is to think of the coming of Christ as the interruption. And in fact, we often speak of the incarnation as an, as an inbreaking, and it is an inbreaking. But I would say there's more to it than that. It's not just an inbreaking, it is an unbreaking. The truth is, the brokenness is the interruption. The fall is the interruption. And God, in His love, is undoing that. He's showing His love by transforming those who have become inhuman. And He's making us truly human. Renouncing ungodliness and worldly passions, living self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. That's the idea, anyhow. That's what redeeming from lawlessness, we're set free from something, but to be free in something, yeah? Purifying us for himself, for his own possession. That's what it's all about. The incarnation is God loving his creatures, you and me, enough to come into our brokenness in order to unbreak us. Dane Ortland, in his beautiful book, Gentle and Lowly, he's referring to the, the writings of German theologian Jürgen Moltmann, and he puts it this way. He writes this. He says, Jesus Christ's earthly minister, ministry was one of giving back to undeserving sinners, their humanity. We tend to think of the miracles of the Gospels as interruptions in the natural order, but they are not interruptions of the natural order, but rather the restoration of the natural order. We are used to a fallen world that sickness, disease, pain, and death seem natural. In fact, they are the interruption. Jesus walked the earth, rehumanizing the dehumanized and cleansing the unclean. Thomas Goodman said this. He was a Puritan. He, he wrote, Christ is love covered in flesh. Pull back the flesh of Christ and you find love. If compassion clothed itself in a human body and went walking around this earth, what would it look like? We don't have to wonder. My beloved sisters and brothers, and I choose that word very specifically, my beloved sisters and brothers, that transforming love, that compassion covered in flesh that unbreaks our, our brokenness is right there in the stable in Bethlehem. It's why he came. Does that bring you comfort? I hope it does. To see, to know how he loves you. 
All this nonsense of 2020. <laughs> I have a good friend. He gave me a Christmas ornament. I think it's a Christmas ornament. It's a, a little miniature dumpster with 2020 on the front, and it's on fire. I'll let you fill in the blanks of what that means. I mean, it feels like this year has been a terrible interruption in all the ways that we can imagine. And it is. It is an interruption, but Christ has come to unbreak our brokenness. Not words, 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 but love shown clearly. Love incarnate. Let that cause us to sing, to rejoice, to delight, to, to dance from the stable the way the shepherds did and to tell the world. Our hope is not in turning the page on 2020 and going into 2021. There is more to it than that. We need this love incarnate. The love of Jesus, the Word made flesh.